0: Hello and welcome to Overdrive, where we take a sober look at motoring and transport, well most of the time. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including the trend in road deaths in Australia. It's not as good a news as it might be. We get a sneak look at the new Toyota Hilux that won't be sold in the Australian market until October. We road test the Peugeot 308. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including a function that will not be part of the Australian Mustang, but is available in all other markets around the world. Have a question or a comment, send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going, first the news.
1: Deaths on our roads have been generally trending downward for many years. Unfortunately, so far this year, there has been an increase in fatalities. There was a total of 103 road deaths during the month of April 2015. In comparison to the average for April over the previous five years, the current figure is 4.3% higher. During the 12 months ended April, there were 1,174 road deaths. This is a 0.4% increase compared to the total for the 12 monthly period ended April 2014. However, the population has grown, so the annual deaths per 100,000 population stands at 5.0. Compared to the figure for the 12-monthly period ending April 2014, this is a 1.1% reduction. Motorsport improves the bread. It makes for improvements in car design, performance and efficiency. Now some of this technology is finding its way onto trucks under the AeroKit name. An aftermarket accessory that was originally developed for the motorsport industry and can reduce a truck's aerodynamic drag by a third has just been granted patent status. The patent covers the bumper turning vane, which generates a vortex along the side of the truck, narrowing its wake envelope and reducing aerodynamic drag. More than 800,000 kilometres of real-world intensive physical testing of the aero kit was conducted on a trial fleet of Stobart tractor units and trailers during the course of 2014. Toyota and Honda have issued recall notices for some cars in Australia to fix a potential problem with an airbag inflator mechanism. The part is supplied by Japanese safety equipment manufacturer Takata. This issue has been going on for many years and there have been previous recalls for airbag problems. There have been no incidents reported in Australia, but six deaths have been attributed to the fault in overseas countries. The magnitude of the problem will mean that replacement parts will not be available until the beginning of next year. In the last month, there have been 29 different recalls issued for cars, trucks and motorbikes. Most of the debate about transport issues arising from the recent Federal Budget are about large construction projects, but funding impacts are also going to be felt in some less expensive but very important programs. A federal scheme to provide seatbelts for school buses in rural and regional areas has been dumped to save $1 million. The Seatbelts on Regional School Buses program was created by the former Coalition Government to improve safety on long-distance bus rides. In the six years to February 2014, it funded seatbelts on 412 buses. The government's total road safety budget will be cut from 25.4 million last year to 18.7 million in 2018-19. Mobility scooter drivers in New South Wales are being trained to safely use roads and footpaths in a bid to curb growing accident rates. Free seniors training workshops are being held across the state to try to reduce accidents and highlight road safety obligations and how to use scooters safely. Yass Valley Council Road Safety Officer Melissa Weller said Australia-wide there had been 62 deaths over a five-year period. If you want people to change their behaviour, you have to encourage them to do so. This is the reasoning behind a program in Perth, Western Australia. Thousands of northern suburbs motorists will get phone calls urging them to take public transport in a bid to ease Perth's congestion wires a team of 22 transport coaches will man telephones in the latest traffic busting plan. Under the $2.18 million Your Move Wannaroo program, which has City of Wannaroo and RAC support, people will be encouraged to consider public transport, walking and cycling as alternatives to driving. Transport Minister Dean Nolder said Cockburn residents responded enthusiastically to the program last year, reducing car trips they took by 410,000, or 5%. The UK Motor Registry Authority had a bit of good karma after a wealthy woman paid $455,000 for a Hindu-related registration. The letters and numbers spelled out Krishna. The amount is over twice the previous record for a modern number plate. Another rich motorist paid almost $195,000 for the plate 458S, which, not surprisingly, will go on his Ferrari. And that has been the news.
0: The number plate bugger has just been sold in New Zealand for over $31,000. This was part of the 1999 advertising campaign for the Toyota Hilux. Now, at a recent show and tell day for the new Hilux, Tony Cram, the Executive Director of Sales and Marketing, said that this campaign, the the bugger campaign, was pivotal in creating a rugged image for the Hilux. Uh, Now, the new one, we've not been able to drive, but of course it's not to be launched in Australia onto our market until October. But with a number of major opposition products being launched onto the market and the fact that the Hilux is about to be launched onto the international market, Toyota thought they would keep the flag flying. Also at the event is Rob Fraser. And Rob uh, joins us on the line now. Rob, it's been a while since we've had a whole new model for the uh, Hilux, hasn't
2: it? Uh, David, I think the last one was about 10 years ago. And um, Hmm. there's been some upgrades to that model since, but the last all-new Hilux, yes, was about 10 years ago, which is a long time in in, uh, vehicle Hmm. product development.
0: Yeah, and it hasn't stopped them, though, selling big on the market.
2: Oh, the Hilux has been an enormously popular vehicle. And I think if you sort of look at some of its history, particularly that last model, I mean, last year it outsold its closest competitor by some 11,500 units, which is a, an enormous amount of vehicles. Um, it's been the highest-selling four-wheel drive for the last 10 years. And last year, I think it sold something like 40,000 units alone. So it's, it's been an incredibly important vehicle to Toyota Australia.
0: Yeah, often selling about the third biggest uh, vehicle sales in Australia, and on its own, it would be the tenth largest company uh, for automotive company in Australia. If you ju- if it was just selling a uh, Hiluxes, it, it's amazing. They really did talk about its image and wanted, they wanted to push that it has a ruggedness uh, that's important for the Hilux, isn't it?
2: The Hilux has had a reputation over the years of, of being totally unbreakable, I guess. And, and they really do trade on that, which is great. And a lot of people buy it simply for its reputation alone. Uh, although what's happened in the last, uh, well, particularly two to three years is that the market has shifted. And a lot of the buyers, particularly the deal cabute ute type buyers, are, are wanting more SUV-like features. And the Hilux was starting to lag a little bit behind.
0: Yeah, we've we've moved in that, haven't we? SUVs have now become more car-like in their feel and handling, and now we're seeing the big, uh, 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 you know, um, almost pickup-type trucks. that are getting that size, uh, heading towards or trying to be more smoother in their operation.
2: Oh, look, I think buyers are wanting—they're wanting more features, they're wanting more luxury, better handling, better towing capability. And more crossover ability from work ute to family adventure type vehicle. And, and if you think about it, a, a luxuriously fitted out dual cab ute could almost be an ideal vehicle for a family. It, it has immense practicality if it's got some of the car-like features inside and, and gets rid of that bouncy ride from the ute.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. Uh, that sort of functionality but uh, is been very good. But uh, now, as you say, uh, a lot of the sales, I asked Toyota, 70% of sales of the Hilux are dual cabs, and in the four-wheel drive version, it's 90%. And in the two-wheel drive version, which is more favoured by tradies who don't want to go off-road, they just want a, a Ute they can take around the sites. So they're doing two-wheel drive versions. It's only about 20%, but 90% of four-wheel drive versions are, are the crew cab, uh, the dual cab, which is amazing, isn't it? You mentioned towing capacity. The new one's going to have an increased capacity.
2: Uh, Look, I think that's one of the things that Toyota has lagged behind a little bit. And now they've increased the new towing capacity to three and a half tonnes. But it's also important to note what the gross mass of the towing vehicle and what it's towing is as well. Because quite often you can tow a larger caravan or um, camper trailer behind, but you can't really carry a lot of gear as well. So that's something that people have got to watch as well.
0: Yeah, that's a, a, an issue, and I think you're driving the uh, Triton at the moment, where they really push that fact.
2: Uh, look, they do, and I mean the Triton has a three-tonne towing capacity, but along with that, it can still take almost a tonne of uh, extra gear as well, which makes it much more practical as opposed to uh, being able to tow something but having to leave one of the family behind because you haven't got enough room for them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Rob, some lovely points. Thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure, David. And that was Rob Fraser from au talking about the new Toyota Hilux. We haven't been able to drive it yet, but Toyota has given us a bit of a sneak preview of its looks. And you can get a longer interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au.
1: Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au Diesels
0: have come a long way. Perhaps a reflection of this is the new Peugeot 308GT. You can get it with a petrol engine or a diesel engine. The petrol has more horsepower, but the diesel has more torque, as you would expect. I drove the 308 GT and the more conservative Allure Premium, uh, as has Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. Paul, Peugeot went through a bit of a rough patch there for a while. I remember the launch of the 307. It was a little bit ragged around the edges. I think they've uh, come back with a bit of a bang with this new model.
3: I think they have, David. You I have a longer memory than you, obviously. I remember Peugeot going through a much longer uh, ragged patch. They seemed to lose their way quite quite considerably. The 307 was fairly typical of that. But there were other models in their range that were not particularly exciting and were probably a little overpriced. But, yeah, they've got their mojo back with a 308, I think. It's a it's an excellent little car.
0: They're still trying to sell sort of uh, that image of... of um... If not luxury, of course, but perhaps premium uh, as as being uh, something with a little bit of specialness about them.
3: Yeah, there's there's a fair bit of cachet with the badge. Obviously, um, it's an interesting area as we've discussed before. The whole the whole luxury thing is a is a real battle. Um, we have the three the three German brands Audi, BMW, and Mercedes Benz, and then a bunch of other. You know, minor players fight for whatever's left over and Peugeot would very much like to be in that category.
0: And I think mm. to some
3: extent the 308 does achieve that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, apparently the European car of the year for 2014 so uh, not the world car of the year. That went to Volkswagen one of its uh, competitors but uh, obviously that's uh, being seen as being uh, pretty good in that part of the market.
3: It is. It's um and it's, it's interesting when you look at the 308 GT, which is obviously the they call it a warm hatch, not a hot hatch. Uh, it's a great little car, but it competes almost head-on with uh, the Golf GTI. I mean, for a lot of people, when it comes to a hot-stroke-warm hatch, the Golf GTI is almost the default choice. Mm. Um, and the, G, the GT 308, 308 GT, get them in the right order, um, is tackling that thing pretty well head-on. And it does a surprisingly good job of, of competing with a car that's very well-established and very highly respected.
0: Hmm. Let's just uh, start before we do get to the details of the GT. You can actually get a 308 in a small model with three cylinders. Is that enough? Uh,
3: Australians Australians have a a predilection for bigger engines, and they're not. They haven't really caught up to the three to three cylinder thing yet. It's a bit like four wheel drive. You know, they believe that only milk comes in two litres. Um, the three-cylinder Peugeot is a great little car. Um, I drove it, as did you, and I found that it was—it did absolutely everything I could want. Um, it was good on, obviously, good around town. Um, the ride was a good, you know, good balance. It was sporty, but it was comfortable. Uh, it certainly looks good. It's got a lovely sort of profile
0: um, mm.
3: all round. Um, an excellent little and car.
0: The nice thing about the three-cylinder is it's not too heavy, and uh, maybe that balance really of. Uh, yeah, you know, not not a, a lugging around quite as large a engine can add to the enjoyment of the vehicle.
3: Yeah, we tend to have forgotten, or some people tend to have forgotten that it's the weight that causes the problem. I mean, it's the old Colin Chapman thing of, you know, add add lightness, as he said, and it always <laughs> improves performance. Um, and the, the GT, particularly the three pot. The um, 1.2 liter version proves that thing very well. It's it, it it's much lighter than its competitors, doesn't feel any more flimsy, doesn't feel less substantial. But because mm-hmm. of that, the 1.2 liter three cylinder turbocharged engine um, works incredibly well. I mean, it's, it puts out what 96 kilowatts and 230 newton meters, which is not which is not to be sneezed at. And no, as said add into the fact that it doesn't weigh very much, and you get a, a great combination.
0: Yeah no it's uh, it's good uh, I think uh, just whilst uh, touching on the performance uh, uh, good brakes impressive road holding
3: Yeah the French tend to be pretty tough on their cars um, and they expect they expect the things to handle well to perf- um, brake well they need to because they're demon breakers the French tend to brake at the last possible moment it's uh, it, they play chicken with everybody <laughs> you know first first person to blink loses the the braking battle um but yeah great little car uh, yeah, and, and uh, economical. I mean, it's it, it's a 1.2 liter. It gets 1, 5.1 liters. Now we're talking in the three-cylinder. 5.1 liters per hundred k's. Yeah, that's
0: of, good. A little bit on the
3: downside. Typical European car. It requires premium unleaded. So you know, there's a bit of an offset there, but it's minor.
0: Paul, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time.
3: You too, David.
0: And that's Paul Morell from uh, practicalmotoring.com.au. We were talking about the Peugeot 308, which comes from a three-cylinder right up to a diesel GT, uh, and reflected in a rather high range of prices as well, but uh, uh, from the 21990 right up to over 41000 An interesting car, and you can have a longer version of the interview by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au.
3: Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au.
0: And it's time to discuss some of the more light-hearted issues to do with motoring and transport, and to help me along the way, I have our good friend Errol Smith. G'day Errol. G'day David. Now the Mustang, there's been a great hullabaloo about the new Mustang and when it will come to Australia, it'll be sometime this year. Uh, There's one feature, though, it won't have, and that's called the line lock function, which is, in fact, standard on every other Mustang sold around the world, every new Mustang. Now, it's um, a a situation where the line lock will be disabled, although it won't necessarily uh, be taken out of the car, so a little bit of clever stuff might be able to put it back in. Now, what it does is it allows you to smoke up the rear tyres. It allows you to press a button and it will uh, lock the front wheels. You can then spin the back tyres without moving. The purpose of this is uh, supposedly to warm up the tyres which means you can then have a faster getaway when you do actually decide to move. Uh, Errol, is this a device we need to have in cars in Australia?
1: Well, I, 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 David, obviously it's completely unnecessary because um, the only people that would buy a Ford Mustang are slow, considerate drivers <laughs> with no interest in performance. <laughs> um, so um, I think this, this nanny state stuff is just a waste of time uh, on this kind of vehicle. Um, <laughs>
0: A mate a mate of mine has just ordered a new Mustang and he's had a Falcon V eight for a while. And he went in there and he was talking to the salesman who said, Well, of course we do have a four cylinder version, turbocharged. How would you know, why don't you consider buying one of those? He said, Mate, I'm buying a lump of Detroit iron. Why would I want anything else but the V eight?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: It's a bit yeah, silly because
1: it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't stop you doing a burnout. You just have to do it the old-fashioned way. Yes. And um, it doesn't stop the car going fast, doing donuts or crashing into a pole. So, you know, what's the point of this, really? <laughs> I, I think it's
0: absurd. In fact, I suppose one thing is that to do it the old way is put your foot in the brake and lock the rear wheels, but power it enough to spin the back wheels so you're yeah. wearing out the back brakes. But then yeah. again, if you're the sort of person who smokes the tyres hugely, wearing out things on your car is not one of your major
1: concerns. It, it, it's, it's almost an aim, really. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. I, <think laughs> I work with someone like that, believe me. Um, I, like, I like the... Um, I like the wording that it will be disabled but not deleted. So mm. basically, what they're saying between the lines here is you just take it down to your local hot up garage, they plug in a computer, press a few buttons, charge you three grand, and you've got it enabled anyway. So, yes.
0: <laughs> Where would you possibly use it? The idea of it making your rear tyres warm, you're not going to yeah. sit at traffic lights. And smoke them up just so you can get off from the traffic lights a little bit quicker. So you're sorry, only going to use I, it,
1: David? I don't understand. What's wrong with that? <laughs> What's my point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's silly, isn't it? I mean, if you, this is this is their their justification. This what this is why it isn't called the burnout mode. It's called you know yes. line lock or something that sounds technical. Um, yes. um And um, yeah, but it's it's. Yeah just, it's, you know, it's a bit of fun, it's, it's uh, isn't it?
0: for Hoonsville. I just don't want them to do it in any street near me.
1: Yes, I, 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 think, don't... I think that's how we got the Hoon ones in the first place, David. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: it, it, if you called it a Hoon function, may, that might make it worse. People might
1: enjoy it for more,
0: giving it the name like Hoon function. Just mm, think,
1: yeah. Well, in... well, well the, I think the interesting part about this story was that we're the only place in the world where they've had to turn it off. So, even mm. in, in the EU and all these other sort of, you know, uh, places known for their, their sort of nanny state culture, it's still enabled there. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. They've also had to cut the, um, um, the uh, drift mode out of the upcoming Focus RS. So, the Ford mm. guys aren't, aren't very happy at the moment. Yeah. Not with Australia anyway. Yeah.
0: Again, drifting is the last thing you want to be doing on a main road. Or, or any public road. I, uh, You know, I may, maybe I'm getting old, but uh, more power to it. I just just find the incredible waste of tyres. There was a guy, that, there was a magazine one time who wanted to borrow a press car, and they said to the, uh, the car company, yes, can you lend us the press car and can you give us two sets of tyres, please? Of which the car company then said, no, otherwise... Enough of that, er- Errol. The uh, story you have for us.
1: Um, David, um, do you remember this ad? Good <laughs> 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 that, was, uh, that was the award winning Toyota Hilux bugger ad from August 99, if you can believe it's that old. Well, if you wanted to get some bugger on your Hilux, then you've missed your chance because the bugger number plate from the ad, and yes, it was a real registered plate, has just sold in New Zealand for $31,700 Australian, uh, about enough to get you a new Hilux. What do you reckon, David? Yes. Would, you want bu- would you want a number plate that said bugger? Yeah, it,
0: it's a rather sad reflection, really, isn't it? Although nowadays it's a remarkably mild term compared to what a lot of people are saying in in public and on air and in films. Yeah. So, on.
1: well, in Australia, it received a hundred and twenty complaints, um, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Um, but, of course, then it went, to, went on to win all these, you know, advertising awards. So, um, uh, it was quite effective. And what I, what I realized from this story is, of course, the ad was made in New Zealand, but hmm. bugger being a considerable uh, similar term there, um, they just made the same ad because that's pretty much all they say Yes. Bugger. So it,
0: it was early days of computer animation, really, wasn't it? Getting a dog yeah. to move its mouth as though yes. it were talking. Yeah, uh, times have changed enormously there. But, uh, yes. perhaps it's a number plate we should have bought and given to Barnaby Joyce, <laughs> given his recent pr- pr- pronouncements about uh, Johnny Depp's dogs that they should bugger off.
1: I I I'm, well, I'm it old, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they I don't know if they buggered off in the Hilux. Uh, No, No, something far more expensive. Yes,
0: (laughs) they're they're about to release the new Hilux. I'm going to a chat with Toyota this coming week of uh, about the new car. I might ask them whether they might revive the ad just to see if it was uh, appropriate then, or how it might be accepted now.
1: Mm, Maybe it's not strong enough now. Maybe they'll have to uh, switch (laughs) the word word with less letters in it. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, I'll I'll darn it, or words to that effect, yeah. (laughs) All right, Errol, lovely to talk to you. Thanks again for your time. No worries, David, see you. And that's Errol Smith talking some unusual stories in the world of motoring and transport, and you can hear a longer version of that by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Rob Fraser, Paul Morell, and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Now, if you would like to hear an extended interview of the show or past episodes, go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.